Hi, everyone. We're back. It's season two of Off Mute, and we are louder than ever. I'm Obella Braun-West, joined by my co-host, Zach Morrison. And we are so thrilled to be back and catching up with true innovator, founder, and CEO of vegan food startup brand, Strong Roots, Sam Dennigan. Irish entrepreneur Sam Dennigan founded Strong Roots in 2015 after Dennigan noticed a demand for aspirational vegetables. Since its inception, the international brand has expanded into thousands of supermarkets and in 2019, it was the fastest growing food brand in the UK. Due to Strong Roots' focus on innovation and modernization in the frozen food sector, Sam has also received the Startup Award in Ireland's Best Young Entrepreneur Competition and was a finalist in Ireland's Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year for Food and Drink. Sam, welcome to Off Mute. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, so where where are you right now? Are you uh, in Ireland? Are you stateside? What time is it where you are? No, I'm I'm uh, I'm on the East Coast. I'm in uh, lovely Jersey City, where I live with my family. Um, oh. My accent is not from Jersey City; it's from Dublin <laughs> and Ireland. But uh, I'm 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 here I'm here for the foreseeable future. So um, on American soil at the moment. Uh, are you are you happy about that, or do you wish that you were in a pub drinking a Guinness somewhere else? Well, next week is St. Patrick's Day, so which is why I'm asking. Know, it's not too far away. I think I can. I think I can. Uh, I can hold off till then. <laughs> well, perfect. As as we said, off mute. Not your traditional boring marketing podcast. So we're gonna do things a little bit differently to kick things off. We're gonna play a little game. I'm going to say a word. Zach will say a word. I'll finish up. And we want to know the first thing that comes to mind when we say this word. So the first, first word phrase I will say to you is diet culture. Um, okay. Uh, the first thing that came to mind is obviously our, our cauliflower hash brown diet. And talk, talk to us about that. So we've just we've just launched this satirical uh, marketing campaign uh, called the Cauliflower Hash Brown Diet, which uh, seeks to do one thing and one thing only, which is eat more hash browns. Um, we we decided we decided that uh, the 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 kind of crassness of the 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 diet marketing for new apps and programs in January in particular and the amount of marketing dollars that were going behind some of these programs was you know and the and the and the kind of pseudoscience that was that was supposed to be backing it up was just absolutely ridiculous and um you know uh, January is a big time for CPG promotion and uh and and ourselves included in that you know we're we're a vegan brand so we have uh, a huge concentration on our industry every January uh, where everybody, you know, either does Veganuary or just eats more healthy for the month of January to kickstart the year and, and get their head straight. And, um, you know, uh, basically just a, a wellness and, and for the purpose of, of, of feeling better about themselves. And we just, we just felt that it was the perfect moment after a, shit year 
where everybody needed a laugh. So we uh, we collaborated with uh, DCX uh, Growth Accelerator um, and the lovely Tenuity, obviously, and uh, we 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 basically created this uh, entire universe around uh, eating more hash browns. So um, uh, you know, diet culture is something that uh, hadn't really been you know, poked at and, and, and made fun of before, because for most people, it's a serious subject. But I think, um, you know, we, we see it as also an opportunity to have fun, especially when you're eating food that's good for you. So, uh, yeah, that's been that's been the last two months for us and uh, learning a lot about um, satirical marketing in North America. Is satirical marketing in North America different than satirical marketing in Ireland? Yeah, I think we're meaner. I think, uh, <laughs> like, be, being being incredibly, like, insulting and uh, embarrassing someone is a sign of love and affection in Ireland. And, and, and it is here, too, but in a completely different way. Like, we, we, we our, our goal is almost to be despicable to one another. And, that, and that's, what, that's what success looks like in, in satirical marketing in Ireland. There's some really really famous kind of uh the onion-esque uh satirical um websites uh waterford whispers is one in particular that you should you should check out which kind of gets to the 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 edge of of irish humor um but it's it's mean and and we like it i was gonna say it sounds like irish marketing is what happens in the brown west household so there's that. Maybe I should move okay. to Ireland. Maybe I should move to Ireland. Who knows? <laughs> if you if you if you like what we call slagging uh, or or poking fun at people, uh, it'll be the place for you. <laughs> I'm in my next life. I'll be, yeah, maybe I'll be a CEO over in uh, in Ireland. Uh, so speaking of that, the word I'm going to go with or acronym is CEO. CEO. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, there's, uh, I, I was, uh, I was, I had to be coerced into being a CEO. You know, when, when you start off in a, when you start off in a family business, um, which I did back in 2005. So the first 10, 10 years of my career, we're in a, a medium to large size company in Ireland, um, in the food industry. And, um, my it was set up by my granddad and then my dad and my uncle were were both directors but no one had titles it was just everyone everyone did their job everything got done everyone knew who the bosses were and uh so the distinction of kind of putting a title on something that was kind of relatively clear to everyone who's working for you was was something completely new for me um the the adoption of it came from the, the, the need to internationalize the brand and actually kind of, you know, place myself as a figurehead, um, but also place the, the goals and ambitions of the company. You know, I think when you when you've got uh, when you put yourself out there as CEO, there's no turning back. You know, your 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 plan is to grow. Your plan is to win. And um, it really does mark a kind of significant change from founder or managing director or you know we've all got different titles on different sides of the atlantic here but um yeah it's uh i think it's um it means a lot more um it means a lot more to 
most people than it means to the people in the shoes. That's well said. That's interesting. Zach, I want, I want your reaction to that too. Yeah. I mean, I think when I, when I think about it, there's some similarities, right. Uh, but not coming from a family business, I think brings a completely different dynamic. I've seen the dynamics that come from a family business. Like that's why I actually asked the question because I've seen that before. Uh, and it usually is by committee, even if one person has the title versus when you're not in a family business, uh, you know, the, the CEO is kind of the, the ultimate responsibility, the ultimate head to crack. And uh, it's also a, can be a lonely place. Not that I'm asking for any pity, uh, but you know, there's uh, all leads back to one road, but in a family business, there's a little bit different, can be a different of a, of a dynamic, especially in, in Sam's world where the, it sounds like the board has family members on it or directors has it. So it's a, that's why I asked it. Cause it's just, it's, it's super intriguing and interesting to me. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting subject. Like, I think um, it, it means different things in different cultures. And, you know, there, there's different words for it as well. You know, I think le learning the, the interesting part about uh, hierarchy of position and just nomination of position is interesting coming from Europe, which is kind of, you know, uses kind of more old school words like, uh, you know, USA has completely adopted, you know, CEO as a term for the person that's, you know, the, the main strategic lead of the business, but actually um, it's something different in the UK. It's something different in France. It's something different in Ireland. And it really just depends on kind of what, you know, industry and service that the, that the business is in. Um, the, I think the, the, the modernization of the term is, is, is something that's kind of been associated very closely with, you know, startup culture and, and disruptive culture um, much more than the kind of traditional, um, you know, publicly listed companies where, where, where I would have grown up with, with, uh, with, with the acknowledgement of the term. So I think it's also a term of empowerment for, for people with ambition as well. You know, once you, once you'd label yourself with it, you're on the road, whether you've formed a company or you have an idea, it's like, you've put yourself out there. It's, it's a, it's a big kind of, it's a big crown, you know? Um, and, and, uh, it holds like huge responsibility. And I think, um, that's what makes it interesting, both from the outside and from the internalization of it. Last word, which you, which you just kind of walked into, but curious to hear what you'll say to this innovation. Uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like, uh, the kitchen, um, innovation for us is, um, we have, we have three, um, we have three, uh, home offices that we see as home market offices. The first one is in Dublin. The second one was in London. And now we have one in New York and in all of those businesses, we have them set up. So you have to enter through the kitchen because innovation for us is the food. You know, we, we can add new technology. We can bring new people. We can, you know, have new processes of thinking, but innovation for us is how relevant we are to the consumer with the food that we make and how relevant it tastes to what they want. Um, we've always called ourselves a taste first brand. So we go taste first plus some sort of health benefit, whether it's gluten-free or vegan or dairy-free or whatever it might be, um, we, we, uh, we start in the kitchen. So 
does it taste good? Yes. Okay. It has a place in our world and now everything else can kind of follow on through that. So innovation for me is, is sitting in the kitchen, slowly eating and talking about what's going to come next. Um, you know, whether it was how to improve our sweet potato recipe. So we had natural ingredients and, you know, it was the best blind taste tested product in, in the market or, you know, how do we take breading out of all of our products and replace them with vegetables? And, you know, those, t those type of like, let's start with a, a consumer market norm and then make it super interesting. You know, how can we, how can we pique people's interest? Cause you know, everyone on, on this, on this call today is like, has, ha, is having daily interactions with, with food experiences, whether it's like, you know, super, super basic, like bowl of cereal that you've been having since you were a child or, you know, uh, an incredible important family meal to celebrate an occasion. Like food, food innovation is, is actually, you know, the great leveler. It's something that everybody needs and everybody needs roughly the same nutrition, depending on, you know, multiple, um, uh, uh, parts of uh, parts of lifestyle, but ultimately there there is a balance for everyone in, in needing the same thing. So um, yeah, innovation means new and food and progress for me. So on that note, if we think about the concept of a bold prediction, right, which is the kind of the future facing idea of innovation. What's going to, what's your bold prediction for what happens in the, it, like, we'll call it like the industry of food, CPG, D to C, like in this entire ecosystem, what are your bold predictions? How five years, 10 years from now, it completely changes. Um, I think, uh, I think that it's a superb question that I think the food, food as medicine is is super relevant so um you know that all kind of cliche of you are what you eat couldn't be more relevant and i think you know because foods are getting more innovative more functional um and and also you know uh, assisting to to cure disease and um you know, used in a, in a medicinal capacity more than ever before for various, various different uh, ailments. It, um, it's that kind of function of food is just going faster and faster. So for example, you know, we've seen the massive move uh, across the world from um, uh, animal-based proteins to plant-based proteins. Um, and now you've got cell-based proteins and, and, and lab-grown um, uh, proteins um, in, in order to, to, to reduce kind of the human consumption of, of animal protein, but also to, to degree, decrease the amount of carbon dioxide and water that's used in all of these processes. In, in, order, to, in order to, you know, uh, solve, you know, a lot of the, the climate issues that we have, there has to be conscious consumption um, at the same time as functional nutrition. So one of the biggest growing areas at the moment is, is um, you know, nutritional supplements, mostly in powder form, now in liquid form, but ultimately everyone is self-medicating through food uh, and their diet and their 
um, you know, biome and 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 whatever your 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 cup of tea is, everyone's doing ultimately what they feel is better for themselves. And I think um, that that is going to bring us to a very interesting uh, path of consumerism, which is going to be you know much closer to food by design as opposed to you know food as a kind of community uh occasional um uh, uh, uh occasional um you know place like for example food the average the average uh table size in any house for uh daily consumption of meal times used to be six then it was four um the the average size is now one people are eating themselves and that's you know almost in the exact same way as people are exercising themselves and people are you know using entertainment you know through vod etc themselves and i think food is going on that path of completely customized um and and tailor-made for the person uh depending on what lifestyle and diet they have whether they're super uh um active person or you know whether they're working in, in an office for you know 10 12 hours a day everything is going to be relevant so i think you know we're moving to food by design you know i i hope certainly not into simply pill form but you know right down to you know uh, subdividing and compartmentalizing what people need on a daily basis based on based on uh, on on what they're doing so uh, you know, in a very long-winded way, <laughs> I think food by design is going to become much, much more part of our our daily lives, and has already started kind of moving in that direction. So we we know that Strong Roots is is going through a lot of innovation, as we talked about, a lot of new product development expansion. Twenty twenty four, which is only three years away. What will you be working on, whether it's related to strong roots or related to getting all food into a pill? What do you think you're going to be working on in 2024? I think um, th there's a number of answers for that, depending on how, you know, the next 12, 24 months go for us. But but we, we have a we have a pretty long term strategy, which you know, started with an idea for a brand to create added value products for consumers. We wanted to be a household name. So um, 2024 brings us to uh, our globalization play. So we want to be a brand that's available for 10% of the world's population. That's a that's an internal active goal, um, pretty, pretty big one. Um, and then we we see multiple different routes. So right now I'm I'm doing a huge amount of, of research and development on a D2C channel. You know, we've been a traditional bricks and mortar retail brand for for the first five, six years of our life. Now we're, you know, the, the consumer is forcing us to change. The consumer is looking at um, you know, uh, is purchasing in different places. Um and our goal is to meet the consumer where they are. Um, so that's interrupting their digital journey as opposed to um, their physical journey uh, is now key. And then uh, the importance of agriculture is the, is the other path where, you know, 
we're currently very much a middleman. You know, we we know about agriculture, our roots are in agriculture, we understand what's necessary for soil and regenerative farming and you know what our sustainable crops look like and what's the water usage. We also understand in a granular way who the consumer is, you know, what they want to eat, where they want to buy it. And for me, completing that journey would be kind of, you know, going down the route of vertical integration. Uh, things like um, vertical farming, um, you know, uh, development of, of new root crops from scratch, um, hybrid varieties that will give protein and carbohydrate and, you know, other things at the same time. Um, we're super interested in the science as well as the, as, the, as the marketing elements to it. So, you know, a bigger Strong Roots organization looks like something much more holistic to the whole industry as opposed to just a delivery system uh, in the in the frozen food aisle. So as far as 10% of the population, that's, that's, I feel like that should have been your bold prediction is that you're going to get to 10% of all people. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Sorry, be, be, be available for rather than, <laughs> rather, rather than be in their homes. We, we don't, we don't have unrealistic uh, household penetration targets. Just uh, that that's more of a, if we're not in the markets where the majority of our potential consumers exist, we, we can't serve them. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like, I like that asterisk that you just put on that. that that's a good one. So, yeah. so talk to me about, so right now you are in the UK, in the U S so when you're expanding to 10% of the population, I thought what you just said about the agriculture piece was very interesting. Like, how do you get into those new markets where you're not and get more up to speed on the agriculture in those markets to create and innovate the food for those populations? Um, we have to know them. We have to be there and we have to understand um, what the what the potential is so you know luckily for us there's very similar consumption habits in a lot of the the western world you know um one of the reasons why we migrated from ireland to the uk and then to north america is because of where frozen food is actually consumed so a third of frozen food is consumed in europe a third in north america and a third everywhere else and um in europe the complexity of going to 15 different nations with 15 different tax laws and languages and localization necessity etc is super complicated so we were like there's a big chunk of land over there across the atlantic that speaks the same language as us eats the same fruits and vegetables as us and uh, we, we think we they will understand what we're doing um you know quicker than than those french people or those german people so um you know the 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 next step for us is to find what we already know. So, you know, next regions for us are places like Canada, surprise, surprise, and uh, Australia, South Africa. Um, we, we've been doing a lot of work on Scandinavian markets and also kind of emerging uh, plant-based interested societies like Central Europeans. You know, um, we've, we've not looked at Asia um, 
you know, for purely because of the the non understanding of of you know what the potential is there, but you know they're they're adopting uh, plant based foods faster than every, anybody. Um, so you know we we don't have a lot of limitation to the runway, but we we stick to what we know. We're going to go where it makes sense first and is the least complicated. We we like to we like to keep it simple. Who's your, you know, I think we have a lot of clients that are going to be in the similar uh, situation that you were in, maybe the inverse, right? Where they're American companies looking to go over to Europe. So I guess it's a, it's a two-part question. So the first part is like, what was your biggest lesson? Because yes, there are a lot of similarities between Ireland, the UK, and the US, but there are some differences, including the satirical culture uh, and satirical marketing. Uh, but what was your biggest lesson that you came over, you know, you brought the products, you're bringing the products over and you're like, you thought it was going to be like, you're, Oh, we got this. And then you're like, shit, we don't got this. And we got to pivot. What was like that moment? And what'd you learn from it? And then the second question is going to be, you've now done the inverse. What would you say to us companies that, that want to go global and come over to the UK and Ireland. We can come back down. Let's stay on the first one first. Sorry, yeah, I'm all yeah. over the place. No, no, great. Two great questions. That the first one's easy. America is a continent, not a country. <laughs> that was that was that was the that was the first realization. It was like, oh, it's really big and it's very complex and it's got multiple legal systems and tax is crazy and you need credit. And to get credit, you have to spend money, not save money. It's fucking mad. It's like, why does this exist? So uh they they were my they were my like first six month USA learnings, but the kind of the sheer size and market size and potential for exponential growth was the biggest kind of learning because you got to remember like I grew up and started my business in a country that has four point five million people <laughs> like that we live on an island on a rock on the edge of Europe and we're very well traveled but that was my that was my backyard. So then, you know, we went to we went to the next door neighbors. We went to we went to the UK, and they've got sixty five million people, and that's a slightly bigger area, but it's a very concentrated, very competitive market. So we got to learn how to you know how to compete, how to compete with bigger players, and that kind of journey prepared us. Well, we thought it prepared us for for the US, um, but uh, I don't think anything can, and I think that's one of the benefits of how we've run the business model, which is put Sam in the new market has been super beneficial because if you have an outpost and you have someone who is working for the company, but not the company, if you know what I mean, the, the, um, the decisions get made too slow to, to, to survive. So I think uh, being, being in the region that needs the most attention was, was super, super key. And I've done that for the markets that I've been in. And I think, you know, now we've got much more resources and, and superb team that we don't have to do that anymore. Um, but I think the, 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 the gravitas of knowing exactly what it needs at the right time was, was, was essential because we've had like so many speed bumps where it could have gone excuse the phrase tits up very quickly but basically we were able to save it um because we were there because we were on it and because we were we were listening to to the to the murmurings of what we needed to hear um on the on the inverse question i think um 
US brands do really well in Europe, in particularly in Ireland and the UK, where we've completely adopted lots of, of North American culture, like in particular sports and pop culture and, you know, celebrity and TV and film and that kind of stuff, like because it, it travels really easy and it doesn't have to be translated and all the all the things that we know. But um, I have seen, you know, I'm a big believer in market immersion. So, you know, I can only speak for the food industry. I'm not a, I don't profess to be a, 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 a um, knowledgeable about anyone else's business. But in the food industry, you've, I believe that you've got to have, have a, uh, a home office and a, and, a, and a full immersion strategy uh, to make it in, in European markets. And do not assume that Europe is a country either. You know, the differences between a French person and a British person, an Irish person, a German person are, are you know, as different um, as, as, you know, someone who might be from Mars. Like they, there, is, there is so many similarities in terms of, you know, human behavior, but that's where it stops. You know, culturally completely different things that are important, completely different, eating habits, completely different. So I think you have to assume that you're starting a new startup everywhere all of the time and that, you know, you've got to start from scratch. Uh, your version of Ireland, UK, Germany, France is California, Texas, Florida, Jersey are like our four, you know, kind of yeah, outliers and a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. That's our, yeah. Just like, man, are those you know, different. And this is coming from the Floridian. So, you know, we should, we certainly are wired differently down here too much sun. Yeah. No. And I, I, and I, and I love that. Um, like, you know, to have, to have such interconnected, uh, cultures all on the one landmass is super interesting to me. Like I, I, when I came here last year, I had to continue to do business, even though there was travel restrictions and, and, and COVID, et cetera. So, I got to do a lot of driving, you know, from New York to Florida and up to Boston and into the Midwest. And uh, I got to learn a lot about uh, how different those corners are. Um, and uh, it's super rich. Uh, it's, a, it's a great country. All right. Well, super interesting. That means Abella, not one, Abella, me or you, one of us looks like we're moving. Uh, Miss Tenuity moves uh, global. We'll rock, paper, scissors, shoot later. I was going to say, obviously I'm moving, but that's cool. If you want to pretend as if you have a say, that's okay. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not really sure how to, I'm not really sure how to take that, but, uh, all right. So one more question before we, before we, uh, move to the famous off mute section. So if you were to start a company again, a brand new one, you get to bring three things with you. You get to bring one person to help you start the company one partner, excluding tenuity, because we're a dead given, right? So you can pick somebody else, make that more fun. And then the last portion is you get to pick one of the big three tech companies. You can't, so Google, Facebook, Amazon, you only get one to start this company. Eventually you'll get to maybe use the other two. So you get one person, one partner, and one of the big three in the trial play. What do you pick? That is a very loaded and difficult question. <laughs> um, I'm a Floridian. Yeah, okay. Uh, I love it, though. I love it. 
Uh, the the person I, I I'm taking liberties to take two people. It would have to be my family, my wife and my son. Um, <clears throat> I don't care what you say. I I couldn't. Uh, I you couldn't have to. You have you have to pick one, Sam. Just kidding. Uh, you can take. Okay, you can just, take just, them just, all. Just 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 my son. Then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. I I uh, I've been lucky enough to be to have been flanked by my family this whole journey. Like um, we myself and my wife moved to London then we had our son there and then we moved you know en masse to the US and we're having this great journey where like you know I work a huge amount of hours during the day and uh, I need the the respite of home and when I was doing a lot of traveling like before COVID I was doing maybe 100 to 150 days on an airplane a year just traveling back and forth to the businesses and um, I realized that my grounding was being where they were it didn't matter if they were anywhere else but ultimately home was where they were so um you know realizing that pretty quickly you, you know uh, is is uh, is very helpful when you're when you're so intensely trying to build something um because um you you, you need them for for as the support team and uh they they would they would be the person uh, as a as a one singular unit for sure um on the partner, uh, the partner is an incredibly difficult one. Um, uh, I'm going to come back to the partner. I think um, from from the from the triopoly, um, I think if I was to be realistic about you know where business is going, um, I would have to choose Amazon on the basis of, of connectivity of what I know and what I do to the consumer base. So, you know, um, if, if in 20 years there are no stores um, and <clears throat> we need to get to our customers, we need to speak to our customers um, and we need to do it in, you know, a single platform, I think, uh, you know, I would, I would back them to be the all-encompassing one as opposed to, um, how we currently use the other two uh we do use them all so (laughs) please do not get blacklisted i was just about uh, to say (laughs) i was just about to say google and facebook we love you it's it's, but hard hard choice he picked his son over his wife so there you go (laughs) you have to make some choices sometimes (laughs) yeah yeah um i am I gotta, I, I, yeah, I, I, that that makes the most sense in 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 how the in how the world's going and 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 where it's going. Um, the uh, the partners is uh, the partners pretty difficult. Um, there's there's so many people that uh, have made the part that have made this a success. I think. Um, without name checking them we we've had this relationship with uh uh agriculture and production partner pretty much since the very beginning um which you know if i was going to do another food venture and uh and we we had to we had to try and do something anyway similar to to what we've already done that this food producer basically took the chance on giving me whatever credit terms I wanted that actually ultimately made the business work. So, you know, I had a car loan that I took out to, to buy the first container of products and 
they made it and they basically let me pay them back for it whenever I needed to. And if that didn't happen, none of the rest of it would have happened. So um, our North Carolina-based sweet potato fry producer, a company called Trinity Frozen Foods, is uh, is one of those people that <clears throat> made it all possible. But uh, we have... Um, we have unbelievable partnerships across Europe, North America, and, and in Ireland with retailers and and, and suppliers. But um, I think uh, you know, I think credit where credit's due. They 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 turn the key. So um, yeah, they were they they're the guys I'd take back into the trenches for sure. Pretty cool. Yeah. They they deserve the plug. They deserve yeah. the plug there. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're coming to an end. The last section we always do is the off mute section where we've been peppering you and uh, with questions and those things. So uh, it's kind of your turn to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. So, you know, where this last section's up to you. You want to talk about something, you want to ask a question, you want to just end it right here on drop, you know, on the mic drop you just had, you, 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 you call it. No, what, what I'd love to talk about is something that um, <clears throat> that uh, the Tenuti team actually, you know, did a pretty good job of addressing while while we were kind of coming into this world of, of you know, digital optimization for our brand. And it's it's kind of, you know, what what are the, you know, how do you guys see yourselves as a responsible party for, you know, um, how how the distribution of media happens for the foreseeable future, like one of the one of the one of the things that we had to hazard a thought for, you know, moving our our marketing strategy from a traditional um, setting to a to a non traditional setting, you know, super super modern and forward, was you know where who sees our media? Are we consciously responsible about where it's going? Are we you know, is this a, a new form of, uh, of marketing that's going to have detrimental effects? And, um, you know, ultimately, I think uh, one, of, one, of your, one of your creatives kind of said it best. Uh, I think his name is AJ. And uh, he, he, described, um, he described the process about, you know, uh, ultimately, you know, people, people, um, people are seeking, seeking materialism out. And ultimately, it's, a, it's your responsibility to 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 make sure that it's been received in a responsible way, but it'd be good to hear from 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 you guys on that because it's such a prevalent topic right now with the change of of uh, structure of the triopoly and you know how the world is changing and trust and you know I don't need to 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 you know lead you into the topic, but it'd be great to just understand how you're dealing with that, how you're how you're looking into it, and, and what what comes next. Damn, why did you ask him this question, Zach? <laughs> no, I think I think to it's a complicated topic, right? Because you can you can, you can cut this out of this <laughs> no, I'm just that's... genuinely interested in the answer from no, it's a it's off I'm not mute. trying to put you on the spot, obviously. No, no, no. It's it's off mute. No, we're not we're not cutting anything. No, but I, I think it's a complicated topic, right? Because you have um consumers have never spent more time consuming media in modern history than now. And so you feel as if there's a responsibility to make sure that you are a part of the industry change to 
add elements of regulation so we're not inundating and burdening the public, right? So all things privacy, GDPR, CCPA, like we are on the forefront of all of that. We are respecting all of that and we want to make sure that we are doing right by the consumer. But at the same top topic, we know that this is an opportunity for all of our clients to show up where consumers are, right? And so I think it's the balance of making sure that we're being responsible for like leading the industry change and working with the parties that are leading the industry change, but also at the same token, making sure that we're also bringing our clients to where consumers are consuming anyway, because we know that this is where the captive audiences are and just being responsible about how we do it. So I think it's it's a complicated topic because there are some members of there are some members of the media, there are some platforms that have taken a lot of heat, I think, over the past year or so because of fake news, um, employee, employee practices, et cetera. But at the same topic, we know consumers are there. And so it's up to us to make sure that we're doing right by the consumers by showing them the content, but also putting those guardrails in place so they're not getting inundated or slammed with the wrong type of content and that we are working with the industry to move the ball forward there too. So hopefully that answered your question without it being too diplomatic. Like I said, I love you, Google, Facebook, and Amazon, but at the same token, it's our responsibility to live up to the correcting of some of what's gone wrong in the industry by working with those partners to do so. Yeah. yeah. It's, said it's, another it's, way, they do a lot of, they do a lot of good and they're, you know, yeah. frankly, this is the plug moment for the triathlete. There's a misconception about these huge businesses. They are huge businesses, but these huge businesses are co-powering small businesses as well as other big businesses as well. And there's a misconception that they just help bigger businesses. There are a lot of small businesses that would not be around, would have never made it. The entire D2C movement does not happen without the big three. Does not happen. No chance. And the big guys the big brands of the world just be, can continue to become more dominant. We'd be having another conversation probably about those brands if it weren't for that. However, you know, Google's original mantra of don't be evil, not saying that they're evil, I'm saying that they might've accidentally uh, become evil in some certain areas. Uh, but when you're growing and innovating at the rate that the, you know, the, the Google and Amazons of the world have been, naturally these things are going to happen. Um, so we're at a good inflection point uh, to make change. Uh, but I, you know, I think people have to remember, you know, what these three companies and three industries, A, how many jobs they created and B, how many small businesses that they enabled. And we could put Shopify into this bucket too, uh, definitively Etsy into this bucket as well. These are massive, massive companies that if it weren't for them and we have a pandemic, by the way, there is no small business. Zero. Gone. See ya. So yeah, they're a little evil, but they've also done a lot of good. 
Yeah, I think I think you know ultimately uh, it feels you know uh, pro pro progress through Efforts' approach on a constant basis, um, and uh, the the exception of, the accepting of the ability inability for um, businesses at all times to be to be perfect, um, and 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 ultimately you know pro progress. Um, co coming out of uh, acknowledgement of need to change, as opposed to just kind of single mindedness and moving forward. Yeah, no, that, 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 thank you. That's uh, absolutely answered my question. Well, Sam, you put us in the hot seat. You were the only one that was supposed to be in the hot seat, but good job. <laughs> thank you for joining us this week on Off Mute, and we will be back every other Wednesday for more insights and unfiltered conversation. Sam, thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me.